Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast with your host, Jeff Nadu, the big man on campus. This college basketball guru, brash and unfiltered, he's got you covered in much more than sports, including music, movies, and the mob. Live guests, top-notch breakdowns, and as always, taking your phone calls. Live from the city of brotherly love, here's the big man on campus, Jeff Nadu. Hey, 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 welcome in everybody to the Don't Use Me Bro podcast. It is episode 24, uh, and very, uh, very much a, a 24th episode, and that number means a lot more to us this week uh, after the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. So we do this one for Kobe. Uh, shout out to uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, may he rest in peace. May his daughter rest in peace to make sure his uh, all the people involved rest in peace. Um, but we are, are going to celebrate tonight. We're going to do a show. Uh, it's been a shitty night for me. Uh, it's been a shitty last two nights for me, but as Kobe would say, you got to put one foot in front of the other and you got to just keep it moving. As they say, um, you know, I, I, I guess I'm done with the, you know, letting stuff linger and letting stuff bother you and, and getting a, a pissed off. You know, you gotta, you gotta win, you're going to lose, you got to pick it up and you got to move on. Uh, and you gotta, you know, just keep on keeping on as they say, but Good show tonight. We'll have Mike Randall join us from the Action Network. Mike Randall, uh, who joins us every uh, Tuesday evening. We'll get Mike's thoughts on the college basketball hardwood, maybe what he's uh, taking a look at for tomorrow, and uh, just some other things as well. Maybe we'll get his uh, Super Bowl pick, who does he like in the big game, uh, and that and more if you want to call the show. Um, we'd love to hear from you, 515 605 nine three four nine five one five six zero five nine three four nine a lot of weird interesting results in college basketball tonight that we'll get into with mike Uh, obviously um some good some bad some embarrassing and some uh kind of wild um a lot of obviously continued memorials going on around uh the nba i know in philadelphia they did a terrific um, memorial for Kobe with, with the number and they rang the bell nine times for the nine victims. Then they had that terrific, terrific national anthem where the saxophonist actually played the final note for 33 seconds. It was quite amazing. Uh, what a terrific memorial for Kobe Bryant. It was just awesome. Uh, and, you know, it sucks having to do it, but I'll tell you what, man, Philadelphia really looked out tonight for that. It was terrific stuff, uh, and I was proud to be from the area after that. Uh, Sixers win that game 115-104. Nice win for the Sixers, who, you know, obviously are are trying to get through things. Joel comes back tonight, has a big game, 24 points. How about Raul Neto, who had 19? Uh, Not a great night for Ben Simmons, really. Um, Kind of a typical... A 17-point night for him, but it seemed like everyone found a way to contribute tonight. Shake Milton had 11, Furkan had 8, Al Horford had 12, Tobias had 14. Everyone seemed to contribute 
uh, on the evening. So a nice win for the Sixers. Uh, but it's mostly about college hoops tonight. Again, we're waiting for our guest, Mike Rand, if you want to join the show. Uh, 515-605-9349. 515-605-9349. I mentioned uh, kind of a wild night in college basketball, and it kind of started out with Villanova, right? Uh, Villanova wins by 20 without Jermaine Samuels. Uh, St. John's gets blitzed. They were never really in the game. Uh, St. John's continues to struggle to score uh, under Mike Anderson. They just really haven't had a lot of capable guys to go to. You know, Dunn had a big game, but outside of that, it was an ugly scoring night uh, for the St. John's um, group. You look at kind of the balanced scoring for Villanova. Gillespie at 17, or Robinson Earl at 13, Sadiq Bay with 23, Justin Moore with 11, Cole Swatter with 11. Uh, what a terrific night for those guys. Uh, up front, they had a great evening uh, for Villanova. It was it was nice to see that group uh, kind of shot. And Villanova starting uh, to kind of figure some things out. Uh, all right, let's uh, go to the phone lines. We are waiting for Mike Randall. Uh, and I don't believe this is Mike Randall, but uh, we'll take the phone call anyway. Caller, how you doing tonight? Uh, it is my man. What's going on? It is Mike, it is Mike Randall. I, it's weird because Mike so Randall... He called me from a different phone number, weirdly enough. Um, but, um, Mike, how you doing tonight? Uh, how's uh, everything with you? Doing well, man. Living the grind, day by day, game by game, loving every minute of it. The greatness, the pain, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, some nights are better than others, and we'll get into tonight. It was kind of a weird night. Before we do that, though, Mike, uh, I, I kind of this weekend – taking some time to let the guests have their uh, thoughts, uh, obviously on the late Kobe Bryant. I know you're a bit older than me, but we're kind of from similar areas. You're from the New Jersey area. I know, obviously, in, in this area, we remember Kobe from, from a young child to um, you know, his father and whatever. Uh, what, what were your memories from Kobe Bryant? What, what do you remember most about 24? Well, the great thing about Kobe, and there's so many things, but you know, people always wanted to be the next Jordan they said, oh, this guy's the next Jordan, this guy is. You know, they've called LeBron the next Jordan. He's not. What separated Jordan yeah. from everyone else is not only did he make his teammates better, but he wanted and executed game-winning shots time and time again. And that's a skill. Making a shot in the first quarter is very different than making it with the game on the line. And in that aspect, Kobe Bryant was the closest thing to Michael Jordan we've seen. Because he wanted the ball at the end of the game, he demanded the ball, and more often than not, he delivered. So that's the memory to me of him on the court. It's a complete tragedy, him, his daughter, going to a basketball game. I mean, just awful. But the positive memory that I'm trying to, to live on with him here is that's what he was. We've seen players who say they're the next Jordan, and they can't make shots in the clutch, or they defer. Uh, LeBron James's greatest play of all time is a block. It's a block in game seven against the Warriors. But Kobe Bryant hit those game-winning shots, and that's why if you ask Jordan, he said that Kobe was the closest thing to him that he's he seen. Yeah, I think, I think we could all agree with that. I mean, you look at, obviously, the countless amazing games. I, I said last night, Mike, and, and I, 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 if, if anyone has an answer, I'd like to hear it, but I, I look back to that, 81 point performance and I wasn't I wasn't old enough to see Blip Chamberlain I don't think you were either none of us really were 
I don't think that there has been a better performance in one game by one athlete. And the only, I mean, the only other athlete, I guess, and I don't even know if they're, they're not really athletes, but like Secretariat, I mean, he, he was a, an equine athlete, but I don't look at an animal and say, you know, obviously something like that, 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 that triple crown that he won where he just lapped the field and won by 32 lengths. That was probably the most amazing thing I've ever seen from a, a sport of any kind. But from a human performance, there's I don't I don't know that I've ever seen a better performance in one game than that. And you're right. I mean, he did go out and he made those gigantic shots. He wanted to rip your heart out. And I remember, as I said, when I was a kid, he said to us in Philadelphia, I'm going to rip their hearts out. And that, you know, that was what Kobe was. And I think as I got older, he started to kind of, I can't believe Kobe Bryant's dead. I, I'm blown away, but I still look at it, and I he, he seems like one of those people, Mike, that'll just live forever, right? You know, they're they're just they're just you know you just never expect it. But you know, five time champion, eighteen time All Star, um, you know, all, all the countless rook, you know, all defensive and uh, All Star MVPs and all that stuff. Just uh, just a great uh, competitor, a great uh, player. Um, we'll surely miss him, but. Mike, let's get into the college uh, game, and it's been an interesting couple of nights for me. I I, I, I talked about last night. I had the Wisconsin, which was you and I talked about it kind of during the day, and um, I ended up getting the worst number, and I ended up getting screwed because of it. But you look at tonight, and I, I was just kind of talking about Villanova. What a nice performance from the Wildcats tonight. You know, they're really starting to figure some things out, Mike. Um, use a big. Uh, uh, first, I mean, both halves were solid, but the first half was terrific. Nice balanced scoring night for the starting five. Uh, St. John's can't score. And Villanova's starting to look like maybe one of those teams that maybe a start, we're starting to maybe think we should buy into from a national perspective. Villanova looking good, Mike. Yeah, great teams have to do three things. They have to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They have to win games at home, and they have to beat somebody that they're not supposed to beat. And what Jay Wright has done during this run is usually he executes all three. And the most important one, big man, out of those three that I think is the hardest to do is beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And that's what Villanova is doing. Tonight they play St. John's in Madison Square Garden. That has all the reasons for a letdown. No Samuels. He wasn't playing. Spread was only three. Here they go, Madison Square Garden. St. John's has played there a couple times. Familiarity. St. John's really needs this win badly. And they go out and they spank them. And they spank them and there's no run in the second half. There's no point at which this game was ever in doubt. That's a skill. That's a skill that most teams, especially this year, do not have. It's been a roller coaster. Duke shows up, then they lose at Clemson. Teams show up, they're playing well, then they lose. Buffalo plays terribly at home. They come out, win tonight against Akron. It's a roller coaster up and down. Villanova is one of the few teams that has not been a roller coaster, and that's a credit to Jay Wright, and that's a credit to the, to the team. And you look at, interestingly enough, Mike, um, you, you talk about those teams that have been solid. You know, And you look at the, the rankings right now. You, you start up at the top. Seems like Baylor, you've got to do some really amazing things to beat Baylor. Gonzaga. We know how the good they are. Seems like Kansas. Seems like they haven't lost in a while. San Diego State, they haven't lost yet. Florida State, they're gone. They're not going to be in the top five anymore. Dayton, another team, dominating. Uh, Villanova, they're starting to crack that top ten. Seton Hall, I mean, you're starting to see. There are a group of teams, Mike, that I feel like are kind of separating themselves, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, Mike, let me ask you, if I told you tonight, let's say we take these teams out, and let's say I told you that there was a team tonight on the road that would be without their best uh, player and their point guard, their second best player, 
who's been out injured, and then their third best player, who is their big, would only have nine points. What would you tell me about that team? Do you think they would win or lose? Oh, of course I'd say I think they're going to lose. Not so fast. They'd actually went on the road and won by 11. So they didn't even just win by four or five. They won by double digits. Michigan out-rebounds Nebraska 39-25. to uh, A great night from York PA's own Eli Brooks, Brennan Johns, Franz Wagner. What the hell is going on? Michigan looked dead in the water. Yeah, I mean, I still think they're dead in the water here because they're playing Nebraska. And a lot of times people overreact to the fact that the best player is out or someone's injured. Uh, you're, you know, Xavier Simpson is going to hurt them in the long run. But this is a back-against-the-wall team. They're on the road. Nebraska is not very good. They got pounded at home by 20 by Rutgers. So I wasn't too concerned about that. Once I saw that he's out, I'm like, this is hilarious because people are going to pound Nebraska. Michigan has better overall players. They were desperate. They were terrible on the road. So you want to talk about some, some regression that was due to come? They were what, 0-4, 0-5 on the road, never covered again on the spread on the road. So uh, that's the deal. Now, listen. Everyone, when they lose that player, they step up, and then it's the subsequent games where it really starts to affect them. So uh, not surprised that they won tonight, but I would be definitely watching Michigan moving forward. And, and the jury is still out on Jawan Howard here. They were flying high when they won the early tournament. They had wins there against Iowa State, North Carolina, Gonzaga. Now they beat Nebraska. All is not right here. Okay, it was just a nice win that killed a four-game winning streak. But if Simpson's going to remain out, it's a problem. Mike, another team that's starting to figure some things out is the Cincinnati Bearcats. They've won five of six, lone loss coming at Memphis. I think we've learned pretty quickly this is a very good conference. I mean, top to bottom, you're going to get a tough game every night. I mean, even against the, you know, the ECUs and the the the, um, the Tulane's and I mean, even like a Tulsa. I mean, Tulsa could be the third best team in this conference right now. Um, but nice win for the Bearcats tonight. Again, if you can try to tell me how Tim Jankovic continues to to keep his job down in, in Dallas, I'll, I'll I'm, I'd like to hear it, but I'm not really quite understanding it at this point. I mean, he just continues. Um, I guess it's the fact that he recruits and puts guys in the NBA. I don't know, but I mean, th- this has been ugly, an ugly performance tonight for the Mustangs on the road. Cincinnati seems to be figuring it out, Mike. Yeah, and that's what I laugh about because. They, they what they finish against Memphis, I think, in the game last Thursday on a 15 to zero run, something like that, and they ended up winning that game. Uh, what was it? Yeah, they ended up winning it 60 to 49, or you know, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, they were they were playing that game. They won a huge run there, and they ended up winning. What I don't understand with that team is they should be so much better than they really are. It's immensely frustrating because their talent is certainly there. That game against Memphis, yeah, I'm sorry, that was Wednesday, uh, Saturday rather. Yeah, 74-70, that means they were, lo- they were losing 70-59 to with like four minutes left, and they rattled off 15 straight points. But tonight they come out and get, pound- get pounded against Cincinnati. I think Jankovic is a good coach, but even we've seen, Jeff, some of these great coaches sometimes need a location change just to perk up again. He may have worn out his welcome in SMU. You look at to SMU. Now, this is the number one team in the uh, AAC in efficiency offensively. 21st in the country. Tonight they put up 43. That's a damn good defensive performance by Cincinnati. They're starting to really figure it out on that side of the ball. There are two coaches, Mike, that I I can't understand. I continue to get 
years of where they are. And it's Tim Jankovic and it's Andy Enfield out in USC. I, again, I, I, I think, you know, he obviously made the, the, the change to go out and, and, and go to USC. Obviously, who wouldn't come in from Florida Gulf Coast? But you know, he's another guy that, that's under uh, underachieved out there. But, uh, Mike, uh, we have some uh, spread drama coming up here in this Rutgers game. 64-59, 38 seconds to go. Uh, Purdue does have the basketball. A couple of missed free throws. You look at the Rutgers on the evening, uh, Mike. Uh, they are 19 for 30 from the free throw line, and that is one of the reasons – uh, you were sweating this game. You shouldn't be sweating uh, because Purdue has not made any threes and they've not gotten to the foul line and they've not really played that well yet. They played pretty good defense and you're, you're letting them hang in the game because you can't make foul shots. 19 for 30, not good. Yeah. Everything, the way you assess a team is always based for some reason on their preseason expectations. So even as the season goes on, I look at these two teams today I look at Purdue as having a big disappointment because people expected a lot more, even though they probably shouldn't have because Carson Edwards isn't there anymore. And what they have is a bunch of guys who are playing out of position. The best player is Travion Williams. He's got to get the ball more often. Forget Matt Harms. But the team that's positive here is Rutgers. So if Rutgers somehow finds a way to cover the spread and win this game, to me, that's a great win. It means they're 16-5. and five. It means they're 7-3 and three in the Big Ten. No one thought they were relevant. Haven't been ranked since what? the 70s haven't been in the tournament since the 90s so these are two teams that entered with very different expectations Purdue gets this win it's a nice win for Purdue Rutgers gets this win it's keep it rolling because of what we expected in the preseason from them yeah it's interesting you know Purdue has has been terrible from a starting five perspective I mean no one outside of Trevion Williams and you know credit you Mike I mean you you've talked about this for a while and you know, I'm I'm happy. It, it looks at tonight. I mean, it, I don't know if they'll win, but you know, Trevor Williams another nice night. 17 and 13. Matt Harms is already fouled out of the game. He only got four points. Uh, didn't play real well, but it's been Jihad Proctor who the high point player has not uh, done a great job at Purdue. Really, he's kind of missed his, his I think kind of the boat. He hasn't really played well against better competition. But nice night for him. Uh, but this is a weird team, man. They continue to struggle to score. And they get these random performances. Evan Boudreaux's played well for them and, and, and Jod Proctor. So we'll see. It's a 64-61 game, Mike. 29 seconds to go. This game is not over with the way Rutgers has missed foul shots. So we'll keep abreast of what's going on here. Get some other games going on as well currently. Um, I did want to get the one game tonight, Mike, that I had. And, and i I got to be honest. Um, last night, as I said, I had whiskey. Tonight I had Richmond. And i, I got to be honest. I what the hell happened to Richmond? What what has happened with this team defensively? I mean, they can't get any stops. I mean, Nate, Nick Sherrod was horrible tonight. Uh, Gilliard didn't do much either. Um, they turned the ball over 13 times, which isn't real bad against VCU. But, I mean, Mike, it's, it's amazing how many times I bet a team and the other team just can't miss. You look at VCU tonight, 10 for 21 from three. Yeah, the interesting thing about Richmond, of course, is the Blake Francis injury and him being out. That would, That's always been a concern. They're well coached. He does a really good job. I like Richmond a lot, and they were hanging around. They were down big early, then they came back in this game, and then the pressure just got to them. But I, I worry sometimes, big man, about these Jenga puzzle teams. You can't take a player of Blake Francis's ability, 17.6 points, 2.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists. 
85% from the free throw line is going to have the ball in the game. You can't take him off the team and then continue to expect to win. So that's the guy that's the key for them. He's the one that they have to, to have in the lineup. And if they don't, they're going to fight and they're going to claw because they're well coached. But in the end, they just succumb to the VCU pressure. I was with you tonight. I think the spread was nine because VCU has been terrible against the spread. But sure enough, the second half, they put him away. Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned Blake Francis, who's been out five games now. You kind of figure maybe, you know, maybe someone else will take the reins. But it's starting to look like he's pretty damn important to their success. And, you know, Mike, I'm starting to learn that I think one thing in college basketball that I have to start getting better with is, you know, when you're grabbing these five, six, seven, eight, nine-point underdogs on the road, it seems like every single damn time they cover in the first half and just wilt in the second half. I mean – Last two nights, I mean, Wisconsin was terrific in the first half last night. You know, even uh, Richmond, I mean, they played really well in the last five minutes and found a way to, to, to be tied at the half. I mean, I'm starting to figure out that when you take these, these underdogs, they seem to always struggle in the second half. They just melt. Uh, it's kind of odd. But uh, update, it is 68-63. You're just trying to trade. And, and now when, in the guts of the game, Mike, Rutgers is making some uh, important free throws. They made four in a row here. Um, we'll see how this one shakes out. Uh, Georgetown, another team that was up big in the first half, they're melting uh, against the Butler Bulldogs. Mike, you have to figure Butler, they weren't going to get beat up for too long. They're starting to figure it out. And how about Mississippi, the fighting Kermit Davises, who I know you hate, Mike. Uh, Mississippi is, is killing Auburn. Did Auburn pull the wool over our eyes? I mean, are they a complete fraud, Auburn? The issue with Auburn is their backcourt is just not as good as it was last year. You have Brown, you have Harper, you lose those guys. It's not even the same. The thing, by the way, Mississippi, I love Mississippi. What has frustrated me is they've never been able to play well this year, but they may have really turned a corner. Kermit Davis is way way too good of a coach for this team to be struggling for so long. They lost six games in conference, man, six games in a row, entered tonight, they were coming into tonight one in five in conference, but I think they may have found something when they turn the corner with a 10 point win at Georgia. I know it's Georgia still a road win in the sec. Now they're pounding Auburn tonight. They can get that win. They got LSU away. That'll be the barometer. And then they can run a couple games off here. I believe in Kermit Davis. There's been a massive disappointment. One of the biggest disappointments this side of, of Davidson uh, this year, but He's got a lot of talent there, and he's a good coach, so they could be getting hot. It's a team to watch. Yeah, Brian Tyree, who uh, is a terrific scorer. They've, they've had a lot of injuries down there, Schuler and Hinson, and they've had guys seemingly in and out of the lineup. One other game, Mike, tonight, Mississippi State, who I know, I know you mentioned to me today you liked a lot. I see you bet them a couple different times live and in the second half. i got to tell you, man, um, this team's starting to look like a real good basketball team. Four or five. The only loss was a one-point neutral game against Oklahoma on Saturday. This team hits the glass like crazy. They were down big in this game. They were down 25-11 in the first 10 minutes. Routed off, made it look presentable in the in the, uh, in the second 10 minutes. Going to half, you know, I think they were down, I don't know, 10, I think, 9 or 10. They come out and they just rail Florida in the second half. Another huge game for Reggie Perry. And I mentioned on my show today and, and on my uh, Twitter account, th- this Florida team just – they're not the same team defensively. And a lot of it has to do with Curry Blackshear. I and mean, this guy can't defend me or you. I mean, this guy stinks defensively. And what what's happening is he's generally being 
You know, he's on guys like Perry. He can't guard Perry. He can't guard some of these guards and stuff. Kerry Blackshear, while he's a good offensive player, Mike, he's killing them on the defensive end. He's killing him on the defensive end because Mike White has to put defense first, and he'll never change. He's had yeah. Kayvon Allen was a tremendous offensive player. They're running archaic offenses. They won't run. They will not get up and down the floor despite having big yeah, time athletes. Yeah. So he's going to do down screen, back screen. That's fantastic. He doesn't have the talent to do that. He's another version of Virginia in a lot of ways. People talk about how great Andrew Nemhart can be. Maybe he can be, but White's not going to let the handcuffs off. They're a disappointing team. The idea of him making that, that Elite Eight run is icons ago. It was a magic carpet ride. I am not impressed with Florida. And you touched on a very important point. The teams that have a strong scoring power forward are having a huge advantage this year. Reggie Perry is the impossible matchup because teams right now are going four out, one in. They're doing one big, and they're putting four guards out there. So if you defend and can defend the arc, and you have a player of that caliber like a a Perry, like a Travion Williams, if you will, inside, that is the matchup this year in college basketball that no one has an answer for. If you have a guy like that, you can win a lot of games because no one has that player. He's too quick for a, a big, a real center. He's as too strong for a guard, and everyone's going four out, one in. That's why I think Mississippi State's doing so well. Old man Ben Howlin. Everybody hates Ben Howlin. UCLA got rid of him after three consecutive Final Fours. How's that working out for you? The guy can coach. Mike, let me ask you. If you were Mike White tonight, wouldn't you say to your guys, okay, listen, it might be difficult, but let's play more of a pack line zone. We, we don't want to – we don't want people on islands. We don't want Terry having to cover guys he shouldn't. Because, again, if you know anything about Mississippi State, you know that they have been, frankly, hideous shooting the ball. I mean, they, they, they've not been good from three. I mean, they're, I think they're shooting like 32.5% this season. In conference, it's been even worse. I mean, this guy, Mike, he, he let doesn't them ever run. Let them yeah, run, that, Mike. Yeah. Do something. Like, I don't want to see yeah. the flex anymore. Enough with this. <laughs> no, you're so right. You're so so right. Uh, by the way, Rutgers wins by seven. Uh, so if you had Rutgers and you uh, were along the ride for the public, the public cashes in with that one big. Uh, Mike, uh, let's take a short break and then we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit of college basketball as a whole, and we'll get maybe some thoughts of our game or two tomorrow. Can you hang on a couple more minutes, Mike? You got it, man. Yeah. We'll be back right after this. fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics, too. Leave it to me. Leave it to my opinion. The Big Men on Campus. I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Dottie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubSportsRadio.com. 
Podcast. I'm your host, the big man on campus. We're joined by Mike Randall. Mike, uh, two things uh, before we get into some more college hoops. Um, I, I saw that the uh, tennis, or uh, not Tennessee, the Houston uh, uh, Texans have officially promoted Mike uh, Bill O'Brien to the general manager position. I, I got to tell you, I, I have these, and pardon my French, have these fucking people learned anything from this guy? I mean, Mike, what I, I is guess. Bill O'Brien? Like, what, what am I missing here with this guy? Why are we giving him what more responsibility? What happens, big man, is that what should have what it should be is every team's goal should be to try to make progress towards winning a Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's really what it should be. However, it's a business, and when you have Bill O'Brien and you keep squeaking into the playoffs and losing in the first round, and you say to yourself, maybe that's as good as we can be, and you can't get rid of a coach unless you have an idea of who else you can get. So it is possible that they are simply comfortable in Houston going 10 and six every year with Deshaun Watson and saying it is what it is because they can, I can't believe I'm about to say this. They can be scared of losing Bill (laughs) O'Brien because he's not awful. They're not going five and 11 every year, but he's mediocre. And sometimes if you're making money, you're afraid of losing mediocre because you're afraid of being terrible. I guess I just look at them and I say, like, it, let's say they had a, I don't know, like just even a, a decent coach, like a Doug Peterson or something like that. I mean, you have the one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. You have the best receiver in the NFL. You have a great group of, of guys uh, on, on the perimeter with Hopkins and Stills and Fuller. You know, they have solid running backs, you know, a couple guys up front on the defensive side. It's just, I guess you're right. Maybe you're just accepting that, hey, this is what we are. And, uh, you know, maybe we can just get slightly better. That'll be good. And we're going to let Bill uh, have his, his, his uh, have have the reins here. But, uh, Mike, one other thing with Rutgers, um, Steve Peichel doesn't seem to get enough credit at Rutgers. Uh, I mean, <laughs> quite amazing. And you look at some of the moves he made. I mean, just kind of going out and finding, like, Akwasa Yaboa, who was a terrific player down at Stony Brook. You know, just, just small little moves, you know, building on guys like, you know, uh, you know Harper and, and Miles Johnson and Geo Baker. I mean, what a great coaching job from from Pico, man. He, he's been what what a great season. Steve Pico's been fantastic. My wife is a Stony Brook grad, so we've always been into the Stony Brook games. And I remember watching, seeing if he could ever break through and ever beat Ver- Vermont or beat Albany and make the tournament. Um, he did a great job. He finally did it. He's been at Rutgers for four years. I know being out here in Jersey, that is a tough program to get going there. He's done a fantastic job tonight, survive and win and cover. Thank you very much, Steve. Excellent, excellent coach. Done a fantastic job. Very happy for him. I'll tell you what, Stony Brooks, uh, Gino Ford's done a nice job up there as well. They're playing pretty well this year, but a great ATS team. Uh, Mike, a couple of thoughts here. Obviously, you know, Baylor still, you're going to be that number one team. San Diego State still hasn't lost. Um, I mean, are we starting to believe, Mike, that this maybe just is destiny, that they're not going to lose? Because i got to be honest, I mean, you know, they almost lost the other night, but I don't know if they were ever really that concerned. I mean, UNLV played well for a few stretches, but you, know, you look at coming up, I mean, you got New Mexico. I mean, they're, they're a complete mess right now. I mean, Jaquan Lyle, what an odd career he's had. Uh, Carlton Bragg and all that kind of stuff down there. 
I guess the Utah State game, you know, this next two, three game stretch here is probably going to decide it because you, you got a lot of home games towards the end of the season. You know, three or final five games are at home, and the two road games are at Nevada and Boise. Neither are too difficult. Are, are you starting to believe, Mike, that this group might just do it? No, I don't think so. I, I think they're going to get tripped up from what I've seen. That Utah State team is rolling right now. They could absolutely beat them on the road. Them losing Mensa is going to hurt inside with the respiratory issue. He may not be back. I agree, New Mexico, no brag, but it's still a tough place to play. And listen, if Duke can lose at Clemson, you tell me San Diego State can't lose in New Mexico? Of course they can. And remember, to go undefeated, winning against Boise on the road is not going to be easy. And Nevada on the road with Alford's not going to be easy. They could get hot from three. Is it possible, big man, they could, they could finish the regular season? Sure. Do I think they will then win the conference tournament and be undefeated? No. I think they will lose at some point. They may only lose once, but I think they'll lose once for the NCAA tournament. Mike, give me a team right now that is 20th or worse in the country as far as in the rankings. Maybe they're getting some votes for the top 25. Give me a team that is Final Four capable. You're going to want a team, and again, we've talked about this. This year, the reason handicapping has been such a challenge this year is no one can get any momentum going. You don't see a team win two, three games in a row. They're up, down, up, down. So this year, you have to talk about a team that can enter the tournament being okay and then all of a sudden get hot in the tournament and carry themselves through. So listen, what North Carolina's done without – Cole Anthony there is very impressive. They won tonight. They won against North Carolina State. If Anthony comes back, they can actually get hot. People say, no, no way, no way. Really? That'll be the craziest thing. What were people thinking during VCU's magic run right now during that year? Nobody was thinking about VCU. So he has experience. And you and I both know, Mike, that Cole Anthony makes them 10 times the team they are now. I mean, he's going to be back. Right, and without him there, these other players are learning how to step up, right? And they're developing. So when he comes back, they'll be even better. Another team that I think could really make a run, Washington has all the pieces. No one likes them because they play a zone. There's no quad A green, but he'll be back potentially before the tournament. So you're going to have some of these freshmen step up. Isaiah Stewart is the big man that Noah Dickerson never was. They have a style. They have shooters. They have, they're long. They have a solid coach in Hopkins. Absolutely, Washington can make a run. That's the sort of teams that I like to identify styles, players in roles, and a really good coach. Keep in mind, Mike, uh, Washington University, outside – I mean, if you say to me right now you need to pick a team to get a stop over you know, a three-minute stretch, I don't know if there's many teams that take it over Washington. I mean, they're, they are stifling at times defensively. They just have to learn how to win games and, and put it all together. Because I see a lot of games where they're up in the first half, and then they, you know, they've let a lot of. I mean, even that Oregon game let them back in. Um, you know, you look at that Oregon State game, won that game by eight, but they were up by twenty at one point. Um, you know, they they seem to just allow teams to stay in games, and I think you're right. I mean, these numbers aren't going to necessarily do them any favors. They're twelve and nine, but. Uh, it all starts on, on Thursday with a big game at home against Arizona. Uh, let's take a phone call. Cameron in North Carolina. Go ahead. What's up, guys? Listen, I'm going to follow on with what oh. Mike just said about North Carolina. I was at the North Carolina-North Carolina State game last night with my girlfriend, 
And my mindset has completely changed on the tar the tar holes as I call them because I'm a Duke fan. But listen, I mean, without Cole Anthony, I did not think this team would be an NCAA tournament team. But after their past two games that I've watched and getting to watch them in person last night, this team absolutely could make a run in the ACC to maybe get yeah, I, to the tournament. Cam, Cam, I'm not. Cam, I'm not. I, Cam, Cameron, come on. Keep keep in mind though. I mean, and, and I look. I love Mike. Mike, I love you, but. I, I got to pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, Miami stinks. Miami's brutal. And NC State, I mean, it seems like Kevin Keats can't figure anything out there either. I mean, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I, I hear you guys. I, I think you're on to something with Cole Anthony. I think if, if I'm getting 150 to 1, you know, yeah, maybe I'd take a shot because, you know, Mike's right. I mean, they are getting valuable minutes from, you know, your Garrison Brooks and your Baycotts and your Leaky Blacks. But, I don't know. I, 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 you know, this is still a team that when Cole Anthony was there, um, you know, they, they were, you know, they were, they were still losing big time step up games for the most part. But again, beat Oregon, you know, beat Alabama. You guys might be on to something. I might look totally stupid here, but I'll be interested to see when Cole Anthony comes back. Have we been given a date as when that's going to happen? Seems like I always see Probably him gonna have to come back. Ne- I mean, yeah, next week uh, or my, two, he'll be back. My brother in law works for the UNC uh, Athletics Department, and he said from the rumors that he has heard that it could be either the Boston College game this week if he gets cleared for practice tomorrow, or it could be the next game they play. I don't know who they play the second game. Is it Louisville? I got a feeling. I don't know. I got a feeling, though. I mean, Boston College at home, they should be able to take care of business there. I would probably think February 3rd, Florida State. Uh, that, that would probably be – where I would, I would imagine. Then you got Duke. You got, you still got to play Duke twice. You got Virginia coming up. You got Louisville. Uh, they got, you got some tough games in the season. But uh, what else is on your mind, Cameron? Uh, another thing's on my mind is Cincinnati. Um, I just feel like, apart from Houston, uh, apart from Tulsa, that Cincinnati might be the best bet to place on for, to win the American Athletic Conference. That's just my opinion. Cumberland's playing out of his mind right now. That, that's just my opinion. I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts? You're killing me, Cameron. We we talked about Cincinnati a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, I I don't I don't I don't hate the thought. I, Cumberland is playing well defensively. They've looked very good. Uh, and Mike, I, I think you would agree. I, I will still say I'd much rather have Houston personally. But uh, what about you, Mike? Second in the yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see Cincinnati's identity. They you know there were some tro- problems there. Cumberland was uh, out for a game, suspended, or had to sit for a game. So they weren't buying into Brandon right away, but. As long as they can keep their defense up, which was the calling card under McCronin, and keep the offense going here under Brannon, they're an interesting team. Because the issue with McCronin is they play defense like the Dickens, and they get into the tournament and they couldn't score. So they definitely had to improve their offense. As long as they can maintain their identity, which is hard-nosed Cincinnati basketball, why not? Again, a lot of it is going to come down to how these teams play in their conference tournament and how you think they are heading into the regular season, into the, uh, I'm sorry, into the, the tournament. Thanks for the call, Cameron. Good stuff. Uh, Mike, before we let you go, I want to ask you about uh, tomorrow's action. You got, uh, you know, obviously a little bit bigger card from tonight. Last two nights haven't been huge. A couple of updates as well. Uh, Butler's now up on Georgetown. Tell me if you were surprised by that. Georgetown's a bunch of hacks. Uh, you had to figure they would uh, bottle it at some point, and they have. Uh, Mississippi's still holding a lead, and Duke is up by 10. That game's starting to get closer and closer, Mike. Uh, feels like Duke w- was up big, and now all of a sudden it's uh, back to a manageable game for Jeff Capel's group. Uh, tomorrow, you got a couple big ones. You got Texas Tech and West Virginia. 
I'll tell you what, Mike, this seems like a spot for Texas Tech. They've they've kinda had a tough go of it lately. They've they've seemingly seems like every time they step up, they're right in the game, right? You know, the the the, the Kentucky game, they're right there. You know, the the Baylor game, they were right there. You know, the West Virginia game, they were there. Just never were able to find a way. The DePaul game, they were there, never found a way. But it seems like tomorrow they get a good spot here. The, the students should be ready to go in this game. It seems like this is the game where Jemias Ramsey, who I think we could agree is probably the best player on the court in this game tomorrow. What do you think about this game? Is this a spot for Texas Tech where they kind of let their hair down and find a way and you know, West Virginia struggles on the road? No team has been more of a microcosm of this season than Texas Tech. We want to buy into Texas Tech because of Chris Beard. We saw them struggle, lose three games in a row early. Then all of a sudden, they beat Louisville on, I think it was Madison Square Garden, 70-57. What a huge win. No Ramsey there. We think they're going to get going. Bang, they lose at home to Baylor. Bang, they lose away to West Virginia. Then they lose away now to TCU. Then they lose home to Kentucky. So this is who they are, a potential team. A lot of potential. Ramsey can be on fire. It's a great situational spot for West Virginia going on the road here at, te- at Texas Tech. So, yeah, I-, I think it's a great spot for Texas Tech. Depends on where you can get the line at. But, yeah, again, zigging and zagging. Are they going to be terrible again? Or is West Virginia finally going to take a step back? That's the question. I-, I think it's a good spot for Texas Tech. Two and a half for Texas Tech in this game. Uh, you know, and-, and this is a West Virginia team that- that's – Struggled on the road. I mean, you know, lost to Kansas State, lost to Kansas. Did have a win at Oklahoma State, but, I mean, we know the Cowboys are poor. Beat Youngstown uh, and then uh, Pittsburgh as well. But this has not been a good road team, Bob Huggins group. Could be a great game for Texas Tech to figure some things out. Uh, One or two other ones, Mike. DePaul, they're on the road at Seton Hall. I've talked glowingly about how good I think Seton Hall is. I think Seton Hall is – if you say to me who's the most complete team in the country, I think they are. I really do. I think they're terrific. They're going to get Sandro Mamushkavili back. Uh, another great thing about them is they've been terrific against the number. I mean, you look at Seton Hall this year, 8-1 and one against the number at home. They've covered 9 of 12 in the season and 13 of 18 overall. DePaul kind of showing their uh, true colors, I think, a little bit. This group has only won one time since Christmas, Mike. Let me say that again. One time since Christmas. They got beat up the other night. They got beat up the other night before that. Villanova, they they hung in that game but ended up ultimately losing. Are we starting to see kind of the real DePaul kind of show up? And what do you think about Seton Hall laying double digits here? I love Seton Hall. Sandro coming back is a huge deal. They played very well. But Seton Hall hasn't been fantastic covering the spread at home. DePaul is a shocking 4-2 and two on the road against the spread. Listen, they've been a doormat for years. So the hardest step to take in a resurgence is getting over that hump where you actually win a couple games and win on the road. But they have been covering. They're 4-2 and two against the spread on the road this season. I, I like Seton Hall to win. Don't get me wrong. You have Miles Powell. But I'm not sure they're going to blow out DePaul. I think DePaul is hung tough here in some some difficult road situations. So I think it's one too many points for me. But, yes, Seton Hall is absolutely a Final Four team. They have the defense. They have Gill inside. Miles Powell's best player on the floor whenever he plays. They have it all here. So they have the look of that team. But I don't know if they can cover all those points at home. Could be a really interesting spot if Mamush Kavili comes back. Sometimes, Mike, when you throw a guy in that's been out for a while, it can throw off the – something you know he could you know just kind of mess with the cohesion and it takes some time you know we've seen it with 
you know, Mississippi State, I remember when uh, Nick Witherspoon first came back. That first game out, they get seven turnovers. Um, this could be a decent spot because Seton Hall, from a starting five, they're a pretty good group. I mean, they, they, Paul Reed and, and some of those guys, they're, they're a good group of players. We'll see if they can kind of figure it out. It's a lot of points, as you said. Uh, Mike, anything you're looking at tomorrow that you have your eye on that you, you're really excited about? you got LSU Alabama, Iowa State Baylor, uh, Duquesne. Finally, Duquesne, Mike, getting a big crack at a big boy. They have played a shitty schedule so far. Haven't really played anyone. And I mean that. Like, the best team they played is St. Louis. Now they got to go on the road tomorrow night. Or, sorry, they get a Dayton at home. Could Keith Dambrod have something for Dayton? What do you think? Yeah, I want to see what he does here. Dambrod's a really good coach. They're going to be home, but of course that's not really home because their home is being renovated. So they're going to be playing at, at the site that is near their home, but not quite on campus. Dayton is so high. I like Duquesne, but I've seen Dayton go into St. Louis and win. I've seen Dayton go on the road and, and, and play very well in situations that I thought they wouldn't. They, they dominated Richmond. I think Richmond is every bit the equal at home that Duquesne is. So I would expect a comfortable Dayton win there. They're just too tough. Obi Toppin inside in the three-point shooting. Uh, other games you mentioned that, that I could have my eye on here. I like a good Oral Roberts team in the Summit League at home. Uh, Nikwesi inside, again, going back with my theme of having a real solid power forward that you can't match up, who can make shots. Very fascinated to see this SEC battle. Uh, my wife and I are into to South Carolina, been fans of theirs for a long time. Frank Martin is a superior coach. When they lost to Stetson in December, everyone blew them off. Now they've beaten Kentucky. They lost by one at Tennessee. They're playing solid defense, and they go on the road against Arkansas here, who no one plays better uh, arc defense than Arkansas. So I would look at the under in that game, and I think it's going to be very, very close. I don't think Frank Martin gets blown out here. So if they end up giving that line, which I think right now is around 10, that's a few too many points. I expect Arkansas to win. But Frank Martin has this team rolling here in the SEC. Again, very under-the-radar team that's probably not going to make the tournament that most people aren't paying attention to that really could get a cover here late. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned that Oral Roberts group, 4-0 at home against the spread this year. They've been very good um, in that building. They've been good against the spread in general. And you look at South Dakota State, we know what they do. I think they've won, like, a crazy amount of games at home, but a little different on the road. So that could be a great spot. Mike, before I let you go, you mentioned your wife. So let me get this straight. You and your wife watch college basketball together? Is that what I heard? Uh, I, I, listen, I lucked out on our first date, big man. We went out on a blind date. We were at a bar, and J.J. Redick was on. Shows you how old I am. And she's right. like, oh, let's leave it on. Let's watch, let's watch the Duke game. I said, sure. So ever since then, she gets into it. Uh, she's she's into South Carolina. I'll get texts if I'm not home. What's going on with the game? She's excited. She already texted me today. She's like, you know, that's a must win on Saturday for South Carolina. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? and that's what she texted oh, me. And I and I said, the wait, the game against Missouri. She goes, yeah. I go, aren't you missing the Arkansas game? She goes, well, I'm not really counting that as a win. So yeah, I, I'm I hit a home run here. She's a great person. So yeah, really, really, it makes it a lot more fun, right? Yeah, you know, Mike, when you if. If you ever saw me in person, you saw my girl, you'd probably be like, wow, that's that's a real beauty and the beast there. I, I I agree as well. I've hit it out of the park as well. I don't know how the hell I ever got the girl I'm with. She's like on another level than me. But occasionally, I remember last year when the Eagles went to the playoffs, she said to me, why don't we just sit and watch the game? I said, 
Really? She said, yeah, that'd be great. And occasionally she'll sit here and, like, I'll be betting horses, and she'll sit here and, like, watch it with me. And I got to be honest, like, I'm not really into girls that like sports, but I got to tell you, as I get older, it's just cool to have someone that understands what I like and is willing to, like, kind of put something into it, you know? And I I think that's great. That's awesome that your – so is your wife, like – does she, like, give you games to, like, look at and stuff? That's pretty cool. Actually. She's had now. She's had a weird instinct. She has this weird Italian instinct. I'll give you one example. The year that Harvard had not won an NCAA tournament game ever, they were a 14 seed. They played Steve Alford's New Mexico Lobos, who had won the regular season and won the conference tournament in the Mountain West. She walks by me as I'm looking at my 12 brackets. And without even knowing who's playing anything, she goes, is Harvard in this? And I said, yeah. She goes, definitely they're going to win. And, I mean, she's <laughs> done it to this weird level. She didn't know Harvard. She didn't know New Mexico. She know they go, I go, you sure about that? She goes, absolutely. Strongest feeling I've ever had. And, and it's not like we were talking about it. She walks by the dining room table and just shouts out, is Harvard playing? Like, and no TV was on. So she has that spooky female sort of intuition that I don't mess with. Yes. Fascinating, Mike. Really fascinating. Hey, you know, I always try to give you a team before you go. Uh, do you bet Stephen F. Austin ever? Oh, sure. Yeah. Tomorrow, I think they, excuse my language, I think they fucking kill Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian's defensive numbers are so skewed. Because they played like, I mean, they played four non-division one teams, held them all to like thirty points or less. And they're such a skewed group. South, uh, Stephen F. Austin's coming home after a few road games, three out of the four road games. Great spot for the Lumberjacks. I think they destroy Abilene Christian tomorrow. Yeah, it's a good one, man. They got that magic down in Stephen F. Austin. They do. Mike Randall, you can check him out on the Action Network. He's on there every day giving out his picks. And you can also check him out with Gus Kearns on the Screen to Screener podcast as well. Mike, uh, thanks as always for coming on. Always look uh, forward to chatting with you. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. Take it easy, Mike. Uh, Mike Randall joining us as he always does on Tuesday. All right, uh, we'll come back here. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap the show up. Uh, with one final thought or so. Uh, Stick with me here. We'll be back right after this. You know, people ask me all the time, big men on campus, What's the best sports book? There's some good ones. There's some important ones. There's ones that I definitely use. But one of my favorites is betonline.ag. If you're a real sports better or someone that takes this seriously, you've got to be able to bet lines early. And BetOnline has the earliest in the business. You want to bet on the Super Bowl, they're going to have it first. You want to bet on March Madness, they're going to have it first. You want to bet on the NBA Finals, they have it first. With an early ability to bet, you can get ahead of the line. And they have some other great features as well. You can bet with Bitcoin. You can deposit and withdraw easily. You can get paid out within 24 hours. They have higher limits. And they have a great poker, race, and sports book as well, obviously. 
take it from me. Go check out BetOnline.ag. It's your money. Make sure it's in the right spot. BetOnline, great customer service, great sports book, great experience. Go check out BetOnline now. Welcome back to the Don't Be Me Bro podcast. Thanks always to uh, Mike Randall for joining the show. Always enjoy talking about college basketball with Mike. Uh, make sure you go check him out on Twitter at Randall Rant. A um, couple of uh, just kind of wrapping it up here. Um, basically, all the games are final, uh, with the exception of uh, a couple of college games and one NBA game that's in the fourth quarter. Phoenix is killing Dallas, 130 to 99. Uh, a couple of crazy stories before we wrap the show up. Uh, the Manchester United CEO, Ed Woodward, uh, his home was attacked today by fans. A group of approximately 20 people aimed fireworks at, Ed, at Woodward's Cheshire, Cheshire home. A video posted on social media showed the vandals gathered outside the home chatting threats towards Woodward, who was married. Manchester United is aware of the incident, and uh, they're discussing what to do next. We know the Whoopal world will unite behind us as we work with police to identify the perpetrators. Anybody found guilty uh, will be banned for life by the club and face prosecution. Uh, what a wild story. I mean, we obviously have um, seen wild things go on, but um, obviously – Things like this are kind of off limits. You always kind of figure that the kids are off limits. Uh, Woodward has been the irregular target of blame from fans for the club's recent struggles. They're currently in fifth place in the Premier League, six points out of the top four and face Manchester United on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. Um, keep in mind, his wife and two children was were not home along with Woodward at the time of the incident. I mean, my God. I mean, throwing – firebombs basically on, on his home yeah, that's terrible what a what a group of lunatics uh, you kind of feel like uh, the ultras and like the the hooligans are, are gone but uh, what a bush league uh thing to do really hideous stuff uh all right that'll wrap the show up for tonight uh, i'm the big man on campus as always check me out on twitter at jeff nadu um, you know, hope whoever's listening to the show is enjoying it. You know, just try to have a, an avenue to talk about sports and, and college hoops and stuff like that. So if you enjoy the show, keep listening. Uh, check it out uh, whenever you can. Uh, I'm out of here. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. The three men weave join us. You'll have a great night. Bye-bye.